This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. Is there a common thread to mass shootings in America? Recent research by a team of experts reveals that a large majority of the shooters do have something in common. We'll have this story. These were tragedies that could have been avoided. If you have a family member, friend who's paranoid, threatening, they need, even against their will, to get help. Then, new guidelines for the prevention of colorectal cancer. Proper screening could save your life or the life of a loved one. Colorectal cancer is our number three cancer killer, and there's been a trend toward increasing incidence of colorectal cancer in people under 50. Those two stories and more are ahead on this week's show. InfoTrack begins right after this. InfoTrack weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. We see headlines about mass shootings in the U.S. and wonder about the cause of this senseless violence. A recent study published in the Journal of Clinical Psychopharmacology may shed some light on this. We're joined by lead author of the study, Ira D. Glick, M.D., professor in the Department of Psychiatry at Stanford University School of Medicine. Dr. Glick, before we get to the results of your research, tell us how you and your team gathered this data on mass shooters. Sure. All the information we've had on mass shooters has come from the media, meaning newspaper accounts, television, etc. What we have done is the first scientific using medical data to identify who these people are. What we have done, and no one else has ever done this, is we have used a database of 115 mass shooters, 35 of whom lived after the shooting. The rest all died at the time of the crime. Of these 35, they were brought to court, and what we have done is used the court records, which are available publicly. They were interviewed by psychiatrists using the diagnostic criteria for medical psychiatric illness and the rest of the court records in order to determine who exactly these people are rather than relying on media reports or friends or family of the perpetrators. Well, it sounds fascinating. What were some of your results from this study? What we found, again, not consistent with the lay literature and even the psychologic, not medical literature, what we found is that in 28 of the 35 cases in which the assailants survived, they actually had a psychiatric diagnosis. That is, 18 with schizophrenia, three with bipolar disorders, two with delusional disorders, two with severe personality disorders, you know, very paranoid, and two with substance-related disorders, you know, like cocaine, heroin, without other psychiatric diagnosis, and one with what's called post-traumatic stress disorder. Four of the 35 had no psychiatric diagnosis, and in three of the 35, we did not have enough information to make a diagnosis. Had any of these people received treatment for their disorders? 
Well, the most important finding, because we know that patients with schizophrenia and other psychiatric disorders have a lower incidence of violence than the general population, lower. Hmm. What we found is none of the cases was medicated prior to the crime or adequately medicated. But the answer is none. So the most important finding is that a significant portion of these experienced unmedicated and untreated psychiatric disorder. We're talking with Ira D. Glick, MD, who is professor in the Department of Psychiatry at Stanford University School of Medicine, talking about a study that he was the lead author of regarding mass shootings in the U.S. and the cause of these shootings. So I guess what you're saying is if these people had been receiving care, if they'd been receiving medications, they might not have been mass shooters. Is that a reasonable conclusion? Correct. These were tragedies that could have been avoided. And the message we have is if you have a family member, friend, or know somebody who's paranoid, threatening, and obviously has what's in the lay press been called mental disorder, but we would call it brain disease, brain illness, brain damage. They need, even against their will, to get help that is diagnosed and treated, even against their will, to prevent these tragedies. That's the message. Now, I remember reading, I don't have the details, unfortunately, but a mass shooter had been prescribed drugs but had stopped taking them on their own. I guess that's just a hazard. If somebody even has a prescription drug but they don't take it, it's not going to make any difference. That's why we always recommend when we treat people with psychiatric illness because they are cognitively impaired, in plain language, they can't think straight. I always try to work with a significant other, whether it's a family member, friend, somebody sleeping under an underpass with them, or a caseworker, or social worker, or whoever, I always work with them. And the most recent and important change in our treatments is to use long-acting injectable agents, where you can give an injection to somebody with these illnesses, which clears up a lot, not all, a lot of the paranoia and hallucinations and delusions and they don't have to take it by mouth every day. They take it once a month. And again, important point, like it or not. Decades ago, I understand there used to be what were called mental asylums. There were homes for people who had brain disorders. Is that not the case so much anymore? That's a very good point. Decades ago, there were state hospitals across the country where people who were permanently cognitively brain damaged were hospitalized. Ronald Reagan, among others, while he was the governor of the state of California and then president, led a movement to open up the state hospitals and bring the people out into the communities. His thought was there would be community treatment facilities to treat these people and make sure that these tragedies didn't happen. What happened over the decades since you raised that point is that the community facilities never materialized. 
and these people are the homeless, mentally ill on the streets. These are not the economically homeless. These are the homeless, mentally ill on the street, screaming, yelling, suiciding, attacking others, and unmedicated. So again, I'm emphasizing most psychiatric illness we now have treatments for, and that the treatments work, and these tragedies can be avoided. But we as society have to be proactive in preventing these tragedies by getting help for these unfortunate people. And they are unfortunate people. In terms of a percentage of all Americans who have brain disorders, this has got to be a tiny fraction who become mass shooters, but any number is is too many. That is 100% correct. It's a tiny fraction, but as you said, even one person is more than enough. We don't want 8, 10, 15, 20 shootings in schools or clubs, etc., or at workplaces. Well, those are the results of a recent study published in the Journal of Clinical Psychopharmacology from uh, the lead author of the study, Ira D. Glick, M.D., professor in the Department of Psychiatry at Stanford University School of Medicine. Dr. Glick, we want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Next, new guidelines for cancer prevention. That story, coming up. You're listening to InfoTrack. More after this. 